holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I am Zip. Penis of William Gallas, and as this is episode number 69, I suspect you are waiting for some kind of joke about the oral sex to get things started. But you will be disappointed. I will not lower myself to make the joke about the Soissonneuf. Instead, I will look ahead to the next Arscast, because we all know what comes after 69. That's right. Mouthwash. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association, as always, with OleOle.com, the football community website. It is Good Friday. Not that there's very much good about it. All the pubs here in Ireland are closed, which is far from good. It is quite the opposite, indeed. It's, it's bad. And I never understood why Good Friday was particularly good for Jesus, either. That all being nailed to a cross thing, that's not good. I know he died for our sins and stuff, but if I was Jesus, I would have said, let those fuckers have their sins, and they can go to hell. Which is probably why I didn't get the part of Jesus when I auditioned that time. Hmm. Anyway, coming up on this action-packed arsecast, we have got for you a chat with Amy Lawrence, uh, who talks about our recent form, the Champions League, uh, and the game against Chelsea coming up. We have got the man in the bar with another player history, as per usual. Ibue is here, Emmanuel Adibayor is here, and of course there's a few other bits and pieces, as per usual. So, um, what have we got to talk about? Well, we could talk about my beer, which is... Oh... My beer is empty. See? No good. Hang on. I'll be right back. Get another beer. One second. And I'm back. Another beer. God. Look. Listen. Listen. See? You can hear the difference, can't you? Between a full one and an empty one. So if you're ever put in a room and blindfolded and asked to choose between the empty bottle of beer and the full bottle of beer when someone hits it with a pencil, you'll now know. Could save your life one day. You never know how things work out. Could be like, you know... Russian roulette kind of a thing between you and some other guy. Maybe even Christopher Walken. How do you know? How do you know this won't happen to you? Anyway, uh, what is there to talk? Oh, yeah. Well, I suppose we should talk about what happened between this Arscast and the last Arscast. Uh, this week was a fairly quiet week, wasn't it? Uh, I suppose uh, collecting our thoughts a little bit, trying to focus on stopping drawing games against opposition that really, really we should beat, with the greatest of respect to Middlesbrough, with the greatest of respect to Birmingham, and with the greatest of respect to that other share of cunts we drew with. Who was it? Wigan. That's who it was. We should be beating those teams. A team that wants to win the league should win games against teams like Middlesbrough. Uh, 
they shouldn't let in goals uh, by Jeremy Aliadier. That kind of hurt a little bit, I have to say. Not just because it was Jeremy Aliadier, because it was a really fucking stupid goal uh, to give away. It had to be him. I mean, who else is going to score for Middlesbrough against Arsenal? Who else is coming back to his own ground where he scored one league goal in 82 years? He spent more seasons at the club than fucking God knows who. He was due for a testimonial if he'd stayed another year or something. And he scored one league goal in all that time. He comes back and he scores a league goal against us. Inevitable. Uh, but, you know, we can't really blame Jeremy Aliadier. That's his job. He didn't do it for us, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we should have been bigger and better and been able to cope. And uh, it was a very late Colo Toure header, um, which sparked some strange celebration, I thought. Why did Colo run off and start celebrating and, and waving his arms around instead of doing that thing you do when you score a really late goal and you want to score another one where you, you just fo- follow the ball into the net and you run back with it as fast as you can and put the ball down on the spot and, and, and he was off jumping around and singing songs and stuff. Maybe he thought we'd already scored or something. I don't know, strange business, uh, but not a particularly good performance. We did have a few chances in the second half, but um, we're really not playing too well at the moment. Uh, And it does seem to be against, uh, again, with the greatest of respect, shit cunts that we're having these bad results. Um, And that's something we'll touch on a little bit later on. Afterwards, Arsene Wenger said the team was as low as he'd ever seen them, which is quite a thing to say, really, isn't it? Uh, I can understand it, though. They've seen themselves fall uh, from a position at the top of the league, five points clear, to now three points behind Manchester United. And they must know that these drop points, particularly at home, are really, really going to hurt our title chances. At the same time, though, perhaps we just need to step back a bit, step back a bit, and and look at the bigger picture. And, And who better? Then to help us do that, uh, then Amy Lawrence from The Observer. We'll talk to her now. Hi, Amy. Hello there. Uh, I suppose we should start with our league form uh, from a position where we were five points clear at the top of the table. Four successive draws has has dropped us back into second place. Where has it all gone wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Arguably, you could say, where did it all go right for the first six months of the season? I mean, it's very difficult to have perspective when you're in the thick of it all. And... Obviously, everybody is pretty disappointed, probably none more so than the manager and the players themselves. But, you know, most people pre-season, if you'd have said you'd be three points off the top of the table uh, with it all to play for, going to Man United and Chelsea, um, everybody would have said, where do I sign up? Yes, please. Um, The fact that there was such an unexpected bonus of a really fantastic first uh, two-thirds of the season means that now everybody's feeling like there's some kind of crisis or big catastrophe that has taken place. Look, let's not kid ourselves. When you get yourself in the position to win the league, it's a massive kick in the teeth if you if you don't, mm. um, or even if you're not even that close come come the end of the day, which is also possible uh, on current form. But there's two ways of looking at it. You either try and look at the bigger picture, which is what Wenger will do, and say um, we've learnt bundles this season and we've learned a lot about a lot of players in the squad um the other way of looking at it is to say why oh why oh why oh why did you not spend a bit of money in january when you have a squad that's nearly there (laughs) you're in a position that's fantastically strong in terms of winning the league and you know there's every chance all right you don't envisage the kind of injury that eduardo suffered or anything like that but you know there's every chance that you're going to suffer a bit between January and the end of the season when you have got a relatively small and inexperienced squad. 
Um, and it's just a pity, maybe, uh, that there wasn't, you know, the the odd player or two that that could have been found at that time to just uh, give that final push a little bit more strength. It goes back, I suppose, to what we spoke about pre-season and, and everybody was looking for, uh, I suppose, a, a wide player. We accepted the fact that we had Eduardo brought in for Henri, but a, a winger, a winger is what everybody was looking for. Are we sort of paying the price a little bit of having um, to play Diaby on the wing, who's a central midfielder, Ubuwe, who is a right back, uh, and is that suffering? What you call him? Well, I don't know what you call him. <laughs> I was being generous, but um, Rosicki's always injured. Hleb seems to play better behind the front man, uh, and Theo was still very raw. So, uh, are we are we suffering because of that? Absolutely, and you've you've said it exactly. But you know, Arsenal has often been a genius of transferring players from one position to another, uh, reinventing them, and. and you know, there was a there was a chance that that might have happened with Ebue. Uh, there was a chance that that might have happened with Theo. There was a chance that um, you know Rizitsky or Kleb would really make a wide position. You know, their raison d'être. But none of these things have really happened. And um, orthodox wingers are hard to find. Let's be honest. And those that did move last summer, and we, we spoke about Maluda, we spoke about uh, Babel. They were both. Um, in, in the picture in the summer, uh, and it didn't happen. Um, but neither of them, in actual fact, seem to have set the Premiership alight either. So it's mm. it's not an easy position to fill. Having said that, uh, you know, Arsenal's obviously tried to muddle through by playing players out of position there. And you know, I think there are games where if you uh, if you think about the kind of work Robert Perez was capable on the wing, Overmars going back a bit further in time, Limpar, you know, championship sides tend to be blessed with a real wonderfully effective winger who scores your goals and also creates plenty. Um, and I do think that sometimes, particularly in these, these last months, the midfield has looked terribly pedestrian and the service has pretty much dried up. And, you know, we do look quite one-dimensional in the sense that it does tend to be a long ball from Sesk that has created most of the openings um, lately mm. and that when you're looking to uh, to gain as many points as possible on a championship running when things are getting tight and tense that's just not quite enough uh, Speaking of Fleb um, what what did you make of his uh, Cornetto antics? <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> risible obviously springs <laughs> to mind but aside from that uh, you just have to question what goes on in a player's head when the timing of it is is so idiotic. Um, really, they ought to be thinking about other things than potential transfers the night before a tremendously important and tremendously glamorous game. I mean, if, if players can't get excited about going to play in the San Siro in a knockout Champions League game, um, that's a pity. And you really think that they ought to be 100% focused on something like that from the minute that they get on the plane or even from the minute that the previous game finishes. And in fact, most of the players seem to be obsessed by it beforehand when you know the form already had started to go to pot um, uh, during uh, the whole phase in which those two AC Milan games took place in so um, you know it has sort of great big smell of, of Ashley Cole about it which is you know a, a pity um, and it just underlines it's a really mucky industry football and uh in this case, Arsenal have probably got every right to complain. But, you know, there probably are other circumstances where 
Arsenal maybe, but the rules a bit themselves, not necessarily in the same way, but if you want to go and buy a player, I mean, look, it's absolutely what happens. Mm. Somebody wants to buy a player, then it's just ludicrous to imagine that there's no contact made between a club and that player or that player's representative to sound out whether or not they'd be interested before anybody starts putting bids in. It's it's very annoying that the rules are, are so persistently and flagrantly in some cases broken, but it is a bit of a daft rule if you think about it. If you want to employ someone, you can't really do that without asking them if they fancy being employed by you. Yeah. It is a bit of a silly rule. Having said that, the rules are in place and to not respect them in that way is uh, unacceptable. Well, hopefully he got his chocolate flake. Um, um, <laughs> Where, precisely? Uh, well, there's the question. Um, we, we'll, we'll stay with Europe, will we? And uh, the Champions League draw was made. Uh, it, it tends to happen, doesn't it, that, that teams about to meet each other in the league get drawn together in, in cup competitions, and we saw it uh, with Liverpool. Three games against Liverpool in, in six days. Uh, could we accept, you know, big win, win, draw or loss what's the best we can hope for in this because it's um it's going to be difficult to get three results against against liverpool in in such a short space of time well a very wise friend of mine turned around pretty soon after the draw and said well there's only one game that arsenal need to win and that's the league game like, eh? mm. <laughs> and then uh, uh, explained you know why why not draw nil nil at emirates one one at anfield if you win the league game, that's all you need to win. Okay, Job well, done. So um, I think that would be quite acceptable, really. But uh, as you say, it's, it's look, sometimes in situations like this, you say it's the law of averages and you're not going to win it, all of them. But then football has a funny kind of way of working in terms of momentum and psychology where, for example, the, the, the two... Um, cup games against Liverpool last season which mm. came fairly quick succession in the FA Cup and the Carling Cup and I don't think anybody would have expected well you win one well you're not going to win the next one well that's what happened mm. um, and famously I suppose I remember in 1993 the two FA two, two cup finals against the same team Arsenal and Sheffield Wednesday and everyone thought well you'll you win one and you probably lose the other but yeah. no it doesn't necessarily work like that so <sighs> who knows basically you can only hope for the best and there's bound to be an element of luck involved in it as well as performances um, but it'll be interesting that you know Liverpool have got such um, a high energy thing going when they play European matches at Anfield but you wonder whether it's going to have the same impact when it's against a, a fellow English team mm. um, and there's no real reason why Arsenal should be afraid given what they managed to achieve in the Cups Last season, but look, let's be honest. Uh, like a lot of things, it's you, you need to be in a position from the first leg where the second leg is achievable. And uh, in many ways, that uh, you know, you're just looking to not concede. So nil-nil would not be a terrible result from the first game. And anybody who imagines it's going to be very open and full of chances is probably kidding themselves. Looking at the way Liverpool um, played against Chelsea in those many Champions League encounters. All right, uh, something to look forward to. Also on Sunday, I suppose we're looking for Liverpool to do us a favour against United. Uh, United doesn't happen though in that fixture, does it? No, not really. United could go six points clear if they beat Liverpool before we play Chelsea, and that's quite a psychological edge, I suppose, for them. Um, in terms of uh, our own game against Chelsea, we've got to take three points from this game. 
quite. Um, but, you know, you talk about the result of a Man United game also being relevant, and it is. But you've got to take a look at the fact that, obviously, um, the, the part of the explanation for this kind of implosion of league form lately has been that Arsenal haven't handled the pressure very well. But they also have looked tired, and, you know, that's what sometimes happens when you get a young... Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Young team, a lot of them haven't been there before. This is a, you know, they've been pushing themselves and pushing themselves, and it is a small squad. And I think fatigue has been a crucial factor in not having that extra urgency or energy. I don't think that you could, anybody could point the finger at these guys and say they they didn't want it in the last few games. That's nonsense. Mm. They, they just haven't been able to find enough 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 energy. It's not about desire, um, but you wonder how much also pressure has been weighing very very heavily on them and sometimes when you're not relaxed you don't play that well and I think that this weekend whatever the score whether it's three points with Man United ahead six points ahead or or whatever the pressure is off Arsenal to an extent um, so maybe it's the perfect opportunity to revive themselves a bit just feel a little bit like okay what have we got to lose now um, and uh, and also, you know, it's become apparent that the smaller teams, more obdurate teams, have become, you know, more difficult opponents for Arsenal and they haven't seemed to find too much trouble raising themselves for the big game this season. So um, it looks like a good opportunity to maybe try and kick-start things again. And obviously that's completely necessary because I think... With each of these passing draws, everybody thought, okay, well, as long as, you know, that's the end of the draws now. And, you know, after one and then after two and then after three and then after four, well, you know, this really is the end of the draws now. So I think everybody knows um, the the championship really does depend hugely on what happens at Stamford Bridge. Okay, Amy, we better leave it there. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you again soon. All the best. Many thanks to Amy, and she'll be back on another Arscast in the very near future. Still to come, we've got Emmanuel Adibayor. Ibue is here. We'll be looking ahead to the Chelsea game a bit as well. Uh, some team news about that. But now, we'll go to the bar, where the man in the bar has a player history. Uh, hello again there. Yeah, time for another round player history right here on the Arscast. Number 69, eh? <laughs> 
Not that I'm gonna make any jokes about that. No, Jesus. I tried to, but I was blown off. Uh, that's what you suckers think. Anyway, what about that old football at the moment? Give me a pain in my fucking hoop, so it is. All them drawers. If I wanted to go see drawers, I'd go to a fucking furniture shop. I want to see wins and killings and goals and things. It'd better start this Sunday against Chelsea. Jesus, I hate those fucking cunts. And of course, they've got little cuntly cunt on their team. And we know how much we all hate him. That's right, I hate him more than Hillary Clinton hates that black Obama fella. Telling you. Anyway, today's player history is about a fella that joined Arsenal in 2004 from the Spanish club Sevilla. That's right, it's Jose Antonio Reyes. Now, Jose Antonio Reyes had a very curious childhood, you see, because he was brought up by wolves in a forest just outside the town. Now, these were the very last two wolves in Spain, and they were unable to have little wolflings of their own. So they came into the town and they robbed a baby, and that baby happened to be Jose Antonio Reyes. For eight years, they raised him as their own, and then when he was discovered and brought back into real life, they realized he couldn't speak a word of Spanish, not a bit of it. Hola, Jose, que tal, they'd say, and he'd go, and then he'd try and eat their faces off. It took them another four years to get him back to normal. Well, as normal as they could get. He arrived in England in January and got off the plane and went, Fucking Jesus, it's cold over here. And everyone went, Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's January in England. You really ought to be wearing a bit more than a pair of, like, shorts and flip-flops and, and a t-shirt, like. Did you ever hear these things called coats, did you? Yeah, I mean, you need one. He made his Arsenal debut against Man City and then a couple of days later he scored an own goal against Middlesbrough. And everyone went, oh Jesus, that wasn't so good. But then he played Chelsea, remember that? He took the ball about 30 yards out, rocket of a shot into the top corner, so it was. And then he scored another one just a few minutes later to beat Chelsea and everyone thought, Christ, this is going to be something special. And the thing was, when the sun was out and it was shining, Jose was a good player. And when the sun wasn't out... He was kind of crap. He suffered from seasonal affliction disorder, you see. And Arsenal tried to have artificial sun brought over from Spain, but it was to no use. Despite a great spell at the start of the 2004-2005 season, where he scored a million goals in the first six games, he started to struggle, you see. And life wasn't always easy for him. He longed for the woods and for the simple days when he could run after a deer and rip its guts out and feast on the intestines for hours at a time. With that in mind, he went back to Spain, where they still do that on a regular basis, and now he plays for Atletico Madrid. He didn't make himself very popular on his first day there, though, as he walked into the dressing room and urinated everywhere to mark his territory. It's true. More from the man in the bar and another player history on next week's Arscast. So what else has happened in in the last week? Well, we had uh, Gilberto saying that he was going to leave Arsenal in the summer unless he won his first team place back. Between now and the end of the season, I can't see that happening. Not without injuries. Um, we had St. Patrick's Day. I got really, really drunk, which was quite good. Doesn't really have anything to do with Arsenal, though. So, um... Yeah. Alex Slab went to meet Inter Milan, uh, but he didn't. He only went out for an ice cream with his agent.
as you do before a big match. You meet your agent. You go off and, you know, go somewhere for an ice cream. A Moratti 99 or a, a Mancini orange split. That kind of an ice cream. It really was a bizarre statement to say he's gone for an ice cream. We don't obviously know exactly what's happened, but uh, smoke and fire and players and agents and all that kind of stuff. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to Inter Milan's house and all had sex with Luis Figo's wife. I mean, you know, I, I'd say Luis Figo would have been surprised, but I wouldn't be. You know what footballers are like. They'll do anything these days. And then there was the bizarre, the bizarre story of the week was that Barcelona were interested in buying Emmanuel Abue. Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Abue. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Abue. Abue like video game. Top three Abue video game. Number one. Championship manager. This way, what's his name? Who? Bentner has to do what a boy say. Number two, Super Mario. A boy laugh when Mario say, It's a me, a boy. Number three, a boy video game. Sim City. A boy like to make big city. Then a boy make tornado. <laughs> you go now. Tune in next week for more At Home with Ebue. Oh, baby. Now, regular readers, regular listeners will know that, you know, if we were to sell Ebue, uh, I wouldn't be at all unhappy. Uh, but the idea of Barcelona offering £10 million for Emmanuel Abue is just a bit, well, it's, it's sort of too good to be true, really, isn't it? Whatever you might say about Arsene Wenger not spending money, uh, and whatever you might say about him not, not buying that winger that we all wanted, should have bought a winger, Arsene. But whatever about all that, were he to procure £10 million from anybody... For Emmanuel Abue, it would be the most awesome piece of transfer business of all time. There's nothing that could even come close to it. Not even Spurs paying sixteen and a half million pounds for Darren Bent. <laughs> oh, 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 that still makes me laugh. But you know, ten million for Abue, class. Of course, it's probably just made up. You're just getting our hopes up here. You get ten ninety nine and a bag of bullseyes. And they'll sort of, they'll all be stuck together, and the bits of them will be stuck to the bottom of the paper bag. Remember, remember that used to happen? You used to buy them on the way back to school after lunch, and you buy a bag of bullseyes, and, and then you go in, and by the end of, by the end of the afternoon classes, they're all stuck to the bottom, and the, you had to like lick the paper off them and, and stuff. That was just me, was it? Okay. Adibayor. Hello, this is Emmanuel Adibayor. Just want to talk a little bit about the people that say, because I get my hair cut, that's why I stopped scoring goals. This is the most stupid thing I ever hear in my life. I don't score the goal with me here, I score the goal with me feet. If I get my foot cut off, then I can understand why somebody say, uh, he got his foot cut off, that's why I stopped scoring the goal. I'm not Samson. Samson got his hair cut off and look what happened to him. The lie to take his head off to the underbaptist or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's stupid.
Stop talking about me here. There is no one not scoring a goal. It's me feet not scoring a goal and me forehead not scoring a goal and the rest of me not scoring a goal. But I'm gonna get back and score a goal soon because Arsenal is like a family to me. They're all my brothers. They're all my sisters. Well, not all of them are my sisters. One or two of them are my sisters. Well, I'm not saying which ones are my sisters. It's not fair. But both of them have lovely breasts. I can't tell you which two they are though. Anyway, it doesn't matter. To help me get back my goals, I hope you join me in singing this traditional song from your home country. So Chelsea on Sunday, going to be interesting. Manchester United, as we said earlier, uh, they play Liverpool uh, at half past one. Should they win? Six points clear. There's a big psychological thing going on there, isn't there? Uh, We have, of course, been in pretty crap form recently. But as Amy mentioned in the the chat with her earlier, that we have seemed to be able to get ourselves up for uh, the big games. Uh, and it is the smaller teams that are, are kind of fucking us up. So uh, there isn't much uh, of a bigger game at this time of the season than than Chelsea, only United, of course. The last time we won at Stamford Bridge was April 2004. So going on four years now, it's about time. It's about time we did these fuckers. Uh, a lot has passed under the bridge, a lot of water, a lot of urine, a lot of that kind of septic stuff you know when you get a cut and then it gets infected and you squeeze it and then that sort of white stuff that comes out before the pus a lot of that stuff has gone under the bridge as well so we owe these fuckers on sunday big time we have to win we have to win uh to get ourselves back on track and possibly possibly the fact that everybody has now kind of written us off not just pundits some of our own fans you know we're only three points behind. But maybe the fact that everyone's kind of written us off now and said, oh, we're never going to do it, and Arsenal are not going to do it, Arsenal are too weak, they haven't got this, they haven't got that, they're lacking this, they haven't got the bottle for that. Maybe that's just a bit of an advantage. Maybe we like being the underdog. Maybe we don't like being the favourites. Maybe this is a good position from behind to come up and, um, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Pressure's off maybe a little bit. So that might just suit us. Ashley Cole at left back. Let's kick the fuck out of him. Seriously, in a good way, though. In a fair and legitimate way. Not not a bad way. Not a Martin Taylor way. More a, uh, who could you say? Uh, Bruce Lee? Well, somebody with a lightsaber? I don't know. Let's just kill that fucker. I hope I, I'd laugh if he got sent off. I really would. Maybe if I say it, you know, do a little bit of chanting and... Um, I'd fucking laugh if he got sent off. I really would. Uh, well, there you go. I, I don't know what else to say about Sunday, other than I really, really hope we win. In terms of the team, uh, there's no new injuries, which means that uh, we're only without uh, Abu Dhabi, Thomas Rosicki, of course, uh, and Eduardo, who's out long-term. Other than that, everybody else is available. It'll be interesting to see who the manager picks. Will he go with Theo Walcott on the right-hand side now that Theo's celebrated his 19th birthday with a call-up to the full England squad? So congratulations to him. Uh, and just maybe he'd give us that little bit of an attacking edge. Theo versus Ashley on Sunday. Come on, Theo. You can do it. Um, I better go now. I think that's about all I've got to say in this particular Arscast. Uh, so have yourselves a very happy Easter, because uh, it's Easter Sunday. I hope you got lots of uh, eggs and uh, other Easter goodies. And uh, I'll talk to you all next week on the blog and, of course, on next week's Arscast. Goodbye.
Our ladies and gentlemen, appearing now at La Scala from Belarus, the world-renowned tenor Alexander Lab. <laughs> Just one cornetto, give it to me. I go to Inter in Italy. Goodbye, Sesc and Flemini. Just one cornetto, give it to me. And then shake it like a Polaroid picture. holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.